Did you know that recently a new tennis move was invented? Really? What is it? Just for some context, it was perfected by Simona Halep. I'm aware of some tennis news she's been involved in lately, but what's it called? The Coach Poach. Hello everyone and welcome to Hold On To Your Racket, the podcast for Gen Z tennis fans. We're your hosts, Shravya and Josefina. Josefina and I are so excited to be creating this podcast and sharing our love for tennis with you all. Shravya and I are two high school gals and tennis fanatics united together by our on-the-court and off-the-court companionship. And we're the female Gen Z voices in modern day tennis you've been looking for, so we hope you enjoy this episode and stay tuned for more. Okay, well, welcome back. <laughs> this is episode 92, and we're officially in clay season, which we have mixed feelings about. It yeah. is what it is, yeah. but, you know, we're going to roll with it. The good thing about clay is that means grass is coming up, so we can kind of look at it that way. Honestly, I don't mind clay season. I just don't like the French Open. That's true. Yeah, in recent years, the French Open has never, it hasn't been delivering as really we expected to. So, yeah, personal grudge. Exactly. So let's jump right into it. We have really, like, just a few big hot headlines this week, but I would say the biggest one is definitely an interesting coaching um, situation that we have heard about. Yes. So that would be the fact that Simona Halep, has a new coach, but who is this new coach, you ask? It is, in fact, Patrick Muratoglu. Mer- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I feel like he's one of, he's like the only coach celebrity. Like, people see this guy at Grand Slams and take a picture with him and not his player sometimes. Like, to I've that level. That. Yeah. I've definitely done that. I you have, have a, a picture with him? him? Oh, my yes. God. but like he's also an interesting character definitely the subject of very many memes on tennis twitter i'll tell you that as our resident tennis twitter correspondent he's had some questionable takes in the past most recently probably the zverev stuff oh my god yeah i forgot about that ew (laughs) ew he also one thing i do appreciate about him though is he's very good at using particularly instagram towards like a younger audience like i like when he posts like those coaching tips like those drills and those things like that he's pretty in touch that way but above all that he's known for being serena williams's coach for probably the latter um part of her career since kind of she was struggling with some injuries in the 2010s then he kind of came in and really kind of saw a resurgence in serena's career after that fact um, and he'd been working with her ever since. He has the Murata Glue Academy as well, which is a big tennis academy. Um, a lot of players train there, like Coco Golf. International in fact, train there. locations, which is crazy. Yes, yes. It's a big deal. But obviously, Serena, she's been um, out for a while. Uh, last we saw her was Wimbledon last year, and that ended very unfortunately. We remember that slip and fall um in the first round not even you know just halfway through the first set so he's obviously um you know serena's been out for a while so we haven't really seen him much with her 
but now he is Switch players. And yeah, he announces on um, Instagram or just social media in general, I guess. And he just said, today I am starting a new chapter in my coaching career. I am now the full-time coach of Simona Halep. So then he basically talked about how in the last eight months he missed coaching, which is like a big part of his life. So then Simona came and started training at his academy before Indian Wells. And he watched her train for a little bit. So I suppose like he did a little bit of coaching her, but just like little things. And then at the end of that week, since she has actually a vacuum, like in her coaching position, because we talked about how she parted with her longtime coach. Um, Darren Cahill, yep. Yes, and she asked him to be her full-time coach. She asked Patrick, and at the time, Patrick said no. But then a few weeks later, after Patrick had a conversation with Serena, that's what he said, quote, word for word. Um, I would have wanted to, like, imagine being a fly on the wall for that. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, yeah, and then he decided with Serena, apparently, that he could, in fact, coach Simona full-time, so... We'll see what happens with this. Um, I'm not sure if he's also Serena's coach at this time, but... I don't know. That would be weird. That would be weird, in my opinion, especially because Serena and Halep have been... You know, they're some of each other's rivals, or were at least during a big part of their um, careers. He did say in a statement that, like, at least short-term, quote, was, like, this... Who knows? Um, but aside from that, um, this is exciting, this is interesting to see how Halep does, because she's been doing pretty well this year, right? Like, she started off the year with a title, um, she did pretty well in Indian Wells, I think. I remember when I was there, um, I was watching one of her practice sessions, and I noticed that she was surrounded by all members of the Muradoglu team. They were all wearing the Muradoglu t-shirts and stuff, and she had posted on her Twitter a few days ago that... She was practicing at the Marauder Glue Academy for the first time. So, you know, there was definitely some sort of connection there, but I don't think I saw this culminating here. And then there was also that big drama when Patrick took out Serena Williams's name from his Instagram I bio. swear, like, we, I've said, I've probably said this before, but it's like a high school relationship. That's what this feels <laughs> like. It's so, like, just the vibes are so funny to me. You know, people used to have theories that Patrick and Serena were dating. Ew. <laughs> I hope that's not true. I, that's... But in happy news, to yes, to, to switch gears Ew. from that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so like like we kind of like I kind of brought up before. So it's not clear whether Serena and Patrick are still you know have that coach player relationship going on but Serena does have some exciting things going on so like I'm not sure what's going on here but Serena Williams announced on Instagram that she is playing Wimbledon and this was like right after Simona and Patrick's announcements which is what makes it funny for me because I feel like it was not necessarily staged maybe but I just the timing like come on there has to be something sassy in that um but she said this in an Instagram story video with Aaron Rodgers. Who is that? He's a football player. But she has Apparently a husband. Apparently he's very famous. What? <laughs> so? I don't they, understand. They were, they, they, were, they were at a Bitcoin conference. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> and they were okay. behind, like, they were backstage. And then she just posted a video with him. And like, hey, I'm with Aaron Rodgers at this Bitcoin conference. And then she was like, we were just talking about my comeback at Wimbledon. And so I guess, I mean, that's exciting. It's such, um, such an odd, like, way to do that. Because, definitely. like... <laughs> okay. Well, Serena does Serena. What can you do? Yeah, well, so it'll be exciting to see Wimbledon as her comeback event. She loves that tournament. Last year, she actually had a pretty decent showing at the majors, at least. Australian Open semis, French Open round of 16, and then obviously that really, really unfortunate fall um, in her first round Wimbledon match. But we'll see how she does. It's Serena Williams, after all. Um, And also how, you know, her coaching team might be changing. That would be Mm -hmm. interesting. Um, But Olympia might join. Yes, mm-hmm. that would be, I, I would argue she has the similar level of expertise as Patrick. Of course, of course. Um, but switching gears to ATP, we do have an unfortunate injury um, story. Yeah, so we have Matteo Bertini pulling out of Monte Carlo, Madrid, and Rome because of a uh, right-hand injury. So he withdrew from Miami due to this same injury, and then he even had to undergo a minor operation so what he said on instagram and i believe all social media platforms uh following advice from the medical experts my team and i have decided that it is crucial i do not put time pressure on my recovery process we have therefore decided that i should withdraw from the monte carlo madrid and rome tournaments to ensure i give myself the proper amount of time to return at my highest level and Sorry. Of course, this is really You have all that clay stuck in your throat. Oh my god, yeah. It's like clogging up here. Um, But this is really unfortunate because he had a really nice, solid clay season last year. But hopefully he can be back before grass because he has... What did he make last year? He made the final. Yeah. He made the final and he won Queens. Yeah, he had a phenomenal grass season, and honestly, we can expect more of that this year if he does, you know, have ample time to recover, and I think that's what his team has on their mind as well. Yeah, I mean, it's like the abdominal, no, abominable Abominable abdominals, abdominals. but this time it's his hand. It's kind of migrated there. Um, But yeah, he also has a lot, he also, I mean, not only a great grass season, but also a great clay season last year. He made the Madrid final and the French Open quarters. So yes, a lot of stuff to defend. Obviously, Madrid, he won't be able to defend, but hopefully this gives him ample time to recover because Berrettini is one of those guys who's really good on pretty much all surfaces. He feels comfortable, so he can make the most of these changes, but we'll see how he does, and hopefully he'll be back and healthy and in good form for the French Open, but... To close out Hot Headlines, we have a bit of cute, happy news. It's a little bit... We don't really have much detail about this because it kind of came out of nowhere. Um, But Dennis Shapovalov announced on Twitter that he would be... um, uh, He would be soon uh, starting this organization called Shapo Shelter. Um, And I went to their Twitter profile and basically their bio just said... We partner with shelters across the world to help promote their animals and help to find their forever home. Shopo has been involved with some sort of uh, yeah. dog shelters um, around the world. I think one in Greece. I'm not totally sure. But he's done this type of work before. 
Um, but this is cool. I mean, we heard about Alejandro Davidovich Fokina doing something like this about a year ago. Like he started something with um, as like a dog or a cat shelter. So it's nice to see players finding their niches outside of tennis and trying to, you know, contribute to something bigger. So now that we have discussed the hot headlines from this week, we can get into the tennis. And I mean, this is pretty exciting because this is one of the most, you know, significant transitions we have throughout the year from, you know, that kind of winter, spring, hardcourt season thing thingy to uh, the clay season, which is a very exciting time of year and a time of year that does not disappoint with the drama. But, um, yeah. Lots uh, of ball mark drama. Yes, 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 yes. And uh, first up, and most significantly, we have Charleston. The Charleston Open, the WTA 500. It's a really exciting event, honestly, in a really nice little city down south. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's I've never been, and I've obviously never been to the tournament but everything I see on TV and the photos and stuff I love the aesthetic I love you know I think there's an, a, a very cool vibe to um, all WTA events or like like WTA mm-hmm. only events I feel like it's really cool and empowering to see um, you know that getting its moment to shine at such a great venue um, and location I think today they're se- celebrating like um, some anniversary of the event so a lot of past winners came to watch the semis there was um Yelena Yankovic, Sabine Lisicki, Mary Pierce, Rosie Casals one of the original nine members was there as well um so that was awesome to see they're also very good with their social media game I'll say that for sure um but it's just the tournament gives off good vibes a lot of our personal favorite players like often play in that tournament because it's also a lot of Americans um, obviously, um, although, you know, we just wrapped up the semifinals today, so we are pretty late in the tournament, but a lot of the seeds and players that we would have expected to do well and probably have gotten to the later stages of the tournament didn't really, like Jesse Pagula, who just had a great, um, um, sunshine double, um, Leila Fernandez, Madison Keys, Sloan Stevens, Paula Bedosa, they all lost pretty early. Um, but we do have some top seeds in the final, um, including one of our favorites. But let's talk about the first semifinal t- that was yes. today. Here we have uh, Bencic, the 10th uh, seed, defeating Alexandrova. So uh, Bencic is continuing her success from making the Miami semifinal. She did really well in um, that tournament, and she defeated Bedosa in three sets over three hours and that was that was a big win for her obviously because that shows but unfortunately um Paula was not looking too healthy and she did retire in Miami uh which kind of speaks to the fact that she's not she might not be doing well uh but hopefully she can recover in time to defend those points she had from last year on clay because we know that she's a solid clay player but it seems that she's having a tough transition you know in these beginning stages of that season yeah that was unfortunate but props to benches I mean 
we have our own thoughts about Belinda Benjish, but putting that aside, she the has been playing. <laughs> she has been playing pretty well. She took Osaka to three sets last week, um, and I mean this was this has been a pretty good run for her. But she will be facing a tricky opponent in Ons Jabor in the final, who honestly has not been having the greatest season so far. Um, it's been really unfortunate to see, but once again, the hotter good luck charm is proving itself because I'm convinced because I took a photo with her for our Instagram, she is now doing well. Just yep, like that's exactly what happened. when, just like when we paid our visits to Iga in mm-hmm. Indian Wells in Miami, and then she won both of those. Maybe we're seeing Ons getting some of that luck, but Ons Jabor, the fifth seed, defeated Amanda Anisimova in a three-set semifinal that just wrapped up. She was the 14th seed, um, and Ons was actually down a break in the third set and managed to keep her level, keep her cool, and come back. But honestly, it's really good to talk about both of these girls because they had a pretty good tournament so far, including Amanda. Yeah, so we remember that she Amanda had a great start to the year with that um, Australian Open run to the fourth round. But then she kind of fell off since then. But in this tournament, she's taken out a Sabalenka and a uh, resurgent Coco Vandeweghe, who was playing some great tennis. And uh, Sabalenka, like speaking of that player, because she is... What is she now? Like number three in the world? Number four? I Just think does four, top five, top, though, definitely. Top, yeah, yeah. I think Bedos yeah. is three now. Yeah, so Sabalenka, you know, she has a lot of points to defend in Stuttgart, where she lost in the final to Barty last year, and she also won Madrid, which is a huge title, and she defeated Barty in the final. But unfortunately, she's not looking in great form so let's see where the glaze season takes her and then looking even farther forward in the grass season she has lots to defend at Wimbledon so if she doesn't pick it up we're going to see some serious change in maybe ranking spots or just in general like her level of play yeah, but overall, though, it's really nice to see Jabor finding her groove this season. She hadn't dropped a set yet in this tournament until today, but to a very worthy opponent. And Clay is really good for her game, so hopefully this is a good confidence boost for her. I know Ons, is she still chasing her first title? No, no right. because she finally she got it last it, year. Like last year, yes, yeah. Yes, I think, was it Chicago? I don't remember. I remember no, it was toward I don't think the end was. of the year. I don't know what it was, but... It was on the other hemisphere. Almost oh, okay. Sure. So, but we remember covering her, like, chasing that because it was a lot of history also sort of, like, weighing mm-hmm. on, her sh- on her shoulders, understandably so. But it would be great to see, honestly, just from a confidence level standpoint, if she can grab this title, I think that could do, you know, really make her a game changer for this clay season. Yes. Now, that's Charleston for you, um, but we do have a couple of 250s on the ATP side and one on the WTA side that we'll do a very brief check-in on. So in Houston, we've got the ATP event um, where our semifinals were Opelka versus Kyrgios and Isner versus Garin. Opelka won. I don't know if Isner versus Garin has completed yet. Um. Yeah, I'm not sure about that, but... uh. 
just in general, like, Garen was on a five-match losing streak before this. He had no wins since January, but he's doing well at this tournament, and he even took out Taylor Fritz. And also, uh, Garen is the defending champion here, which uh, speaks to his success now. And in general, he's known as a clay specialist, so it's not surprising to see he's doing well. Unfortunately, I just checked the scores, and Isner did beat Garen. Um, um, so that's a bit sad. Now we've got Opelka versus Isner. <laughs> Isn't this a repeat of the Dallas tournament mm, final? Opelka semifinal. was definitely there. I think it was the semifinal. I don't know. All the American big server Giants. dudes kind of yeah. just mesh into one person in my but, brain. Yeah. Um, but honestly, good for Opelka. I mean, he's been having a pretty decent year so far um, with these... 250 vulturing um uh streak um but we also have another tournament that i did not really register and my brain was going on which apparently felix was playing in and then lost pretty early oh yeah Um, he posted a picture and i was like why is he there because i didn't even realize there was a tournament there and i was like oh he's on vacation that's so cute (laughs) yeah well this was in marrakesh where our final set versus um, with Molkan versus David Goffin. So, okay. I've not seen him in a while. Yeah, but, like, it's nice to see. And then we also have um, the WTA 250 event in Bogota, where our favorite and defending champion, Camila Osorio, unfortunately lost in the semifinals. So we've kind of lost interest in that event. But we do have um, a final set. Yes, so we have an interesting final with uh, Pagosi, who is a uh, Brazilian who actually won the Tokyo bronze medal in women's doubles, which is interesting. And there's some, like, really sweet videos of her wins circulating, you know, on, like, tennis she, social media. She saved match points, I think, in her yeah, last she did. match. Four. Four? She saved four, yeah. And is she a qualifier? Uh, that I'm not sure of. I just know that she's definitely an underdog in this tournament. But more um, iconic run than Emma Raducanu, perhaps. Oh my God, no! Why would you ever say that? Uh, so the other finalist here is Tatiana Maria, and uh, yeah, just in general, a final of underdogs, which is great. We love our dark horse moments, but um, yeah, and honestly, I'm kind of sad that the uh. You know, like the the what's it called, the golden the golden swing. There's like no WTA tournaments in it. You're Actually, right. there's literally it, zero. It's sort of like a delayed golden swing we have here. Yeah, and honestly, I'd love to see it because you know, like I said, tennis in, you know, Latin America in general, you need to like come on, bring the hype. Like Put for in example, the effort. We have, yeah, we have a Brazilian in the there. finals. Like, it's exciting. Yeah. Also, Camilla is on the rise, like, very much, like, um, a rising mm-hmm. star in tennis. So, she certainly has potential there. And even Layla Fernandez, like, she is Canadian, but she is, you know, she shares part of her heritage um, from Latin America. I'm not exactly sure which country, um, but, you know, we definitely yeah, have neither. a growing presence um, in tennis. So, it would be nice to see. I mean, it was good to see. Um, the Guadalajara tournament still. Like, those were fantastic. 
Um, now moving on to kind of round out this episode. This is a pretty short episode because there really hasn't been that much going on aside from Charleston. Um, but we do have Monte Carlo beginning, which is the ATP Masters 1000 event, the clay one. And <laughs> very beautiful aesthetics there. Although we are seeing the return of a particular player. Um, yeah, that player is... <laughs> it's Novak Djokovic. Um, yeah, I don't have much to say about that. But, um, actually, yes, I do. I mean, it's kind of my duty to talk about it. Ew. Uh, <laughs> but he's, uh, we have not seen him in quite a while. We Last haven't time seen we him saw since... Him, who, who beat him? Yuri Vesely. Oh, yes. Our hero. Uh, what tournament? Either Dubai or Doha. I don't remember. I think it was Doha. Actually, no. Yeah. Do- no, it was or- Qatar. Yeah, it okay. was Qatar. In Qatar. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Um. So, yeah, we have not seen him since then. And uh, he did miss out on the Sunshine Double uh, for, you know, not being vaccinated reasons, which is not surprising. But um, it was Dubai, just, actually. We oh, were wrong. See, we were wrong. That's <laughs> unfortunate. But anyways, it is going to be interesting to see how the dynamic changes because also we have we don't have Rafa here. We don't have Medvedev here, and it's just Djokovic alone. Like, what is going on? Because Medvedev, I don't know if we talked about this, but he's oh, we out. We didn't talk about for this. like one to two months apparently. With, oh my god, I almost said her hemorrhoid, but it's a hernia. <laughs> he does not have a hemorrhoid. <laughs> he has a hernia. And apparently it's been bothering him for a while. And you know what's funny, actually? Because Shravia literally texted me, or we spoke about it, and she goes, I don't know why, but, like, Daniel's not at the top of his game. Like, he's not he's not doing too hot. And, yeah, he's not, because he had a freaking hernia. Yeah, so Which give him a great. break, guys. Cut him some slack. Exactly. But it's really sad that he couldn't return to that number one spot before Djokovic came back. But, yeah, um, yeah also, he is back. Because clay season would have been such a good time for him to rack up some points. And we say that every yeah, year. because it's new. We said new. that last it's year. It's all new. <laughs> yeah. Now, this would have been Medvedev's time to rack up a bunch of points, but there are some players here who have a lot of points to defend. So... Obviously, Djokovic is our first seed here, but our next few seeds, um, Zverev, Tsitsipas, and Rude, and Rublev, have a lot of points to defend. So Zverev obviously won the Madrid title last year. Tsitsipas is the defending champ here in Monte Carlo. Kasper Rude made the semifinals here in Monte Carlo last year, and he also just got his wisdom tooth pulled out, which for some reason he thought it was a great idea to post a picture of the, the actual tooth. tooth. On I social needed media. a trigger warning. <laughs> What was, was like, that? But everyone was saying, like, how does Casper Rude even, like, manage to look so good even after getting his wisdom tooth pulled out? Like, why is he not, like, puffy and, like, His face is, high? like, just so perfect. Calm. It's, it's, like, perf- so... Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, made Literally. of stone. The other next seed, which is our one, two, three, four, fifth seed, Andre Rublev, um, was a defending is a defending finalist here in Monte Carlo, so he also has stuff to defend. But our last three seeds, Felix, who I'm a little confused because I think since the Australian Open and Rotterdam, when he got his first title, um, and then the tournament after he made the final, I haven't seen much from him. 
Um, Cam Norrie, the uh, seventh seed, who is now in the top ten, which is, I guess, big news. And Carlos Alcaraz, a top eight a top seed. Top eight seed. So That's yeah, since crazy. we saw we've got we saw Medvedev, Nadal, and Berrettini pulling out of this tournament, that bumps these guys up to some higher seeding spots, which is actually definitely benefits them. Although we have some pretty stacked sections of this draw. Certainly. So just most notably, Djokovic and Carlos Alcaraz are in the same quarter, which is very exciting. Because I feel like right now, based on what we've seen recently, Carlos looks like someone who could definitely beat Novak, which is very interesting. And um, just besides them, even though the winner will probably of this quarter will probably come from one of those two, in this quarter we also have Taylor Fritz, our Indian Wells champion. And um, yeah, and we have Sebastian Corda. Our favorite, actually, my favorite, and oh my god, so many people I love, and Bojik Bendezench, yeah, so that's definitely exciting. Your, your pronunciation of Bojik's last name is getting better. Bendezench, that was good. I think maybe the raspy voice is making it even better. <laughs> yeah, in case you haven't noticed, I lost my voice, and you can definitely hear it by now. But um, yeah, this is a little painful and heartbreaking because all of these people have to lose at some point and it's going to be before the end of the quarterfinals. Yeah, they're all smushed together. So it's Which definitely sucks. a hard draw for Alcaraz. Um, but, I mean... He... And for Corda. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and for Corda. Um, in addition to the absences from Medvedev, Nadal, and Berrettini, we also have no Dominic Thiem. He was supposed to kind of make his return... Well, part of his return here... But then he got COVID, so this yeah, guy cannot catch a break. Really unfortunate turn of events for this guy. Really, really unfortunate. Now, if we had to give our top picks for this tournament, obviously you have to say Novak. Obviously you have to say Alcaraz. Um, but I would also throw in Rublev, who's been doing really well since grabbing those titles and making some good runs in the Sunshine Double. We'll see how he does on clay, though. Casper um, Ruud, he had a good run here last year, probably has a good confidence since Miami. Tsitsipas, always very strong on clay, but again, a weird season for him so far. And then, um, I mean, you could put Zverev in the mix if you would like, but um, there's no denying the fact that he feels comfortable on the surface, but obviously we would rather not see him here. Yeah, ever. Um, But yeah, in general, just like honorable mentions, because we like to just discuss people that we might have not had the opportunity to discuss. It's like it's like the participation award. Literally miscellaneous. It's like, do we think you're going to win? Not really. Do we want to give you a shout out? Yes. Yes, we do. So we have Borna Koric, who is playing with a protected ranking, actually, which is interesting. But he's facing Yannick Sinner in the first round. And Sinner, he's not doing too bad. So, um, I think, honestly, that's someone to look out for. And George almost beat Zverev. Um, I forget if it was Indian Wells or Miami. I think it was Miami. But he almost beat Zverev there. Um, So... Yeah. He's not doing too badly, which is... So, like, just when you see players, like, doing kind of their kind of doing okay in a tournament that doesn't mean that in the next tournament they might not just improve so that's why it's someone to look out for and then 
<laughs> of course, honorable mention, Sebastian Corda, who's going to win the whole thing because he is a clay specialist. Uh, yeah. Actually, is he? That's a lie. I made that up. I mean, but I think he, he is, well. actually. Yeah. And he won At Parma. French. Parma no. was his first title. Oh, and that's I didn't on clay. know that. It was also... And then French yeah. Open round of 16, maybe? Yes. Yes, because he lost to... Whatever, that's something we don't talk about. Uh, <laughs> Wait, who did he and, lose to? I, I don't remember. Nadal? Nadal, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, right? so or no, was that 2020? He, he, I don't know. They kind of meshed together. Yes. Yeah, All I remember I, is that photo of Sebi going like this. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, when it looks like he, like, when he did, like, the swimming yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, won. yeah, yeah. I don't know if anyone. Because he uses that photo everywhere. <laughs> I don't know if anyone knows what I'm talking about. But, like, yeah, he has, like, the black about. headband, the red shirt, and he's going like yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know it's funny. You're like showing me the motion, but nobody who's no listening can see. see. But like, whatever. It looks like a brushstroke. Yes. Stroke. Yes. Yeah. Anyways, we also just in general, if we want to talk about clay specialists, you cannot go without talking about Diego Schwartzman. And while he's not been doing too great, I think honestly, like new like surface season is a completely new leaf to turn, and I think that. Lack of success on hard court does not speak to someone's, like, potential success on clay court. So, definitely someone to look out for. So, there you go. That's our first clay season episode. Um, short and sweet, just like the, we hope the clay season will be. Um, but we, um, let's see how our predictions hold up. I don't, maybe, maybe we'll see Corda winning it all. You never know. Yep. Thank you so much for joining us, and that is Game, Set, and Match for today. If you like this episode, please let us know and stay tuned for more. We'll be providing you all the coverage of upcoming tennis and, of course, all the tea on tour. Email us at holdontoyourracket at gmail.com for any questions and leave a rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Hold On To Your Racket is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on social media at Hold On To Your Racket on Instagram and at H-O-T-Y-R underscore tennis pod on Twitter. Our next episode will be released next week as Monte Carlo and the clay season continues. And remember, my name is Josefina. And my name is Shravya. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to hold on to your racket until next time.